With kids around, me time runs out fast. Don't waste valuable child-free minutes on a drink run. Instead, get Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly has the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits delivered in under 60 minutes. Get date night rolling before your parents bring him back. How about a living room slip and paint? They'll never know you stole their crayons. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Today, I'd like to welcome my friend Alex Berrios to the show. You may not have heard of Alex Berrios, but the work he's doing on the grassroots with voter registration with a group called Mi Vecino is teaching Democrats how to come out into the space where they largely abandon. And that's contacting actual voters on the ground, not through media, not through digital, but going to their doors to get them to register to vote, to engage on the ground. And they do this by talking to them in real human language. They're not here trying to convince a low propensity voter to worry about climate change. They're here to get a low propensity voter to get involved in politics at all. They're doing great work at Mivacino, and I'm so happy to have Alex here with me today. There was also maintained what was called an enemies list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Folks, today I'm joined by my friend Alex Berrios, who is one of the founders of a group called Mivacino in Florida. Mivacino is one of the most uh, important and aggressive new groups registering Hispanic voters in the country. And they are people who do this on the ground, at the grassroots. And I'm bringing Alex on right now because we're two years out from an election. And the kind of work they do is more important than ever. And the kind of work they do is is going to make a difference in whether or not the forces that oppose this authoritarian movement and Trump and Trumpism and and the rest of this this very messy, very ugly part of our national lives are going to be triumphant or not. So without further ado, I want to say hi to Alex. Alex and I have spent some great time together this year. We've spent some time together on the road fundraising and doing some work this year. Uh, and welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on the enemies list. Rick, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, good, good. So, Alex, tell us a little bit about what Mivacino does and why it's important and why it's different than what state parties and uh, and and other committees are doing. Oh man, um, <clears throat> Mivacino does uh, true, you know, authentic relational organizing. You know, I've worked at uh, you know within the Democratic Party from the volunteer, just first out the door, didn't even know what a Democrat, local Democratic Party was, volunteering, trying to make a difference in my community, all the way up to uh, most recently senior advisor to Chair Diaz, the Florida Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, done every job all the way up the ladder, you know, worked my way up the hard way and have seen what organizing looks like um, and have seen right. what organizing is supposed to look like. Mivacino is what organizing is supposed to look like. We build long-lasting, real relationships year-round by staying present in communities. Uh, we don't show up 60 days for the election, um, as we right. say in the community, as we say, uh, politicians get real religious uh, 30 days out from E-Day. They're all in the right. trenches. 
they're at our doors. What's our field in. program? Sixty days out. <laughs> exactly. What's your field program? Um, you know, I laugh at that because they they usually have some excited person just like myself that is going to be the new uh, Latino coalitions director or some super title, right? That like we're right. very proud of. But it's sixty days out. Um, and it's like, guys, that outreach, that outreach should have been done six months ago. Like, it's right. too late. Uh, Nivasino does that. So, you know, Rick, we've been on the ground since March of 21. You know, after the 2020 elections, I've done uh, all my entire political career, organizing career has been in marginalized communities, um, the kind of communities Democrats don't go to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, low-income neighborhoods, Democrats don't knock on my door. Uh, Republicans do, though. Uh and uh, we've been on the ground ever since because we know that the party needs to develop uh, relationships with these voters um, to stay in touch with people. Right. So that way, when this fire hose of misinformation, um, criminality starts coming out of the Republican Party, there's someone that they can turn to for some guidance, some kind of information, because it's just a vacuum. They have all this uh, misinformation, disinformation hitting us. From every every channel, legacy media, digital media, it's um, you know they're in our neighborhoods with gigantic flags hanging out the back of their trucks, uh, mm-hmm. and there's there's no counter to that. There's there's no other narrative that the people are seeing. So, uh, eighteen months now on the ground, we're into our second year, going to be soon into our third year. Uh, you know very well Trump announced for president. Guess what? We're asking people to get out and register. What are your thoughts right. on Trump? Well, we're out there registering yep. them. We're out there registering them uh, right after the election. This is the thing. You know, you, you know Democrats, whether uh, they win or lose on election day, they stop working. They tend to stop mm-hmm. working. And we don't. You know, two day, We took two days off after the election. We were right back to registering voters. Um, but now that Trump's made his announcement, we're asking them what they think about that. And I'll tell you what. We surveyed uh, Latinos uh, in Miami-Dade right. about DeSantis mm-hmm. and Trump. And uh, DeSantis was a strong front runner. Uh, it looked like you know, he would do really, really well, crush Trump in Florida, uh, among Latinos, mm-hmm. at least. And then now the man's done, he's made the announcement and the enthusiasm is already showing up when we talk to people. Yeah, I think, I think it's something that, that a lot of folks on the, on the Democratic side and the, and the, have not anticipated that the celebrity of Trump and a big celebrity wrestling match like these guys are going are gonna to have, it's exciting. If people people look at it and go, "Wow, I can't wait to see you know who's who's going to land the first punch, who's going to who's going to stay in for for the whole thing, who's going to fight it out, how are they how's it, how are these two guys going to going to look you know by the time they're all bloody," and and I I think that that idea that you know uh, and you know, ratchet out like a, a the 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 aperture out a little bit. We talk about Hispanic voters in Florida. You know, uh, people don't understand that it's not just. It's not just Cubans. A lot of people from outside of our state are like, "Oh, uh, the Cubans." No, it's so diverse in this state. And I gotta tell, I gotta say, I mean, I've got to give them like grudging props. The Republicans really understood how to break it down and go campaign amongst Cubans, Venezuelans, Caribbean voters, Haitian, Dominican. I mean, they went, they they've like micro targeted these people to a fare thee well, right? They they've really ratcheted down into the into the granular level. They have, um, and that's exactly right, Rick. It's <clears throat> You know, it's, it's kind of a, a lazy way of describing the Hispanic vote in Florida. They just think that it's Cuban vote, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not Cuban vote. And even if it was Cuban vote, Biden won about 43% of that vote. You don't throw those people away. Correct. Okay. The goal should be add 10% to that, right? 
add 10% to that number, not just wash your hands of all Latinos in Florida. Um, what we see is, you know, there's been a, a drastic change um, within the electorate as uh, you know, Democrats very lazily seem to have assumed that demographics would be destiny mm-hmm. for them. And as, mm-hmm. um, you know, America becomes more diverse, naturally, they're going to get these votes. They've lost touch with the reality that you need to still ask people for their vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very basic human thing. We want to be valued. We don't want to feel like we're taken for granted. Um, you know, in, in 2008, Obama flipped uh, this seat just six years mm-hmm. after Jeb Bush mm-hmm. won in a landslide. You know, flipped Miami Dade mm-hmm. red the whole bit. Sure did. Six years later, Obama flipped it blue. But you know, with a, aggressive Latino outreach, uh, he carried it. Uh, carried the Hispanic vote in 2012. Uh, 67% of that, you know, nationally, 60% in Florida. And he won by less than a percent, you know, and he still had that much of it. And, uh, you know, Latino vote might have sunk Mitt Romney in Florida. Uh, Four years later, Clinton paying attention to Obama. She's doing similar work. You know, she didn't do as well, but she still won a significant amount. And then, uh, you know, we we lost track after that. You know, voter registration hit the ground. The bottom fell out. We stopped organizing, um, started taking people for granted Uh, in 2018, you know, the then I was on the Nelson campaign. We, you know, we did not have, you know, aggressive outreach and working communities right. of color. We lost a heartbreaker. And we went from a 0.5% state in 2018 mm-hmm. to a 3.5% state in 2020 to a 19% state in 2022. Yep. These are massive shifts in single cycles Yep. because, you know, there's a lot of competing factors that can create a landscape like that. But the key takeaway is that these votes are up for grabs. Right. And we can swing that right back in 2024 also, but you're not going to swing it back by being absent and allowing the Republican Party or GO, you know, the, the GOP to be present in the community telling your story for you. Because then you got to come back after the mm-hmm. fact and, and make corrections and that you're never going to disprove those lies. You know, actually, we were talking about this, this over the summer at some point. And, and I remember you know, we were talking about it's like, it's like yes, they, they've got a messaging machine on the right, but it's not a messaging machine that is that is so powerful that everyone stays convinced all the time. If you're building relationships as you guys have done, you do have the ability to talk to people and go, wait a minute, that's bullshit. Or here's what's really going on. And, and, you know, we just don't see that with the institutional democratic party in Florida in particular at, at at any kind of scale. Um, So as we look at 24 coming, you know, what do you think, what, what would your like two or three top takeaways be on how to make sure that you don't leave, uh, you know, a quarter of Florida's electorate ignored or taken for granted. Oh wow, <clears throat> that's um, that's big. It's, I know that's uh, like ten questions in one. <laughs> it, it, it is really, honestly, Rick. There's, you know, uh, Florida is such an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep having these, we have these blue waves in the United States, and they do not reach the shores of Florida. Right, uh, and there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that, and. You know, in my work within the Democratic Party, we're at a very simple message that I think will you know you understand uniquely um, that Democrats in Florida need to focus on Democrats. Yeah. Okay, you, you Democrats can't get Democrats to the polls. Right. When we're when, when we're begging and pleading for our base voters to come vote, mm-hmm. there's a problem, right? right. We're not going to convert people of other religions if we can't get our congregation to come to church. And so that's a that's a key problem that the party needs to work on is raising enthusiasm among Democrats. There's too many there's too many weird thought patterns that invade the strategic conversation at the highest level that just blows me away. Right. 
when we're in these conversations, you take a look at, you know, the, the average turnout Republicans are going to dominate by 7%, right? That's their average beating, you know, Democrats. Now that they're in the lead in voter registration, that totally flips the game. You can't even try to like stay within 5% for parity like you did in 18 and cut mm-hmm. close. You got to overperform. But there's just this, this assumption that, oh, well, Republicans are going to beat us on election day. And it's just stated as if it's a fact, as if, well, it's like a universal thing and there's nothing you can do about right. it. It's not physics, people. Right? Right? It's like, okay, so then you know that this is a thing that's happening. So what's the solution to that? You don't just accept it, right? No, bro, they just accept it. And that's wrong. That's the wrong approach to it. And so stop thinking Republicans are going to match it. They're going to crush us on E-Day. They're going to beat us in turnout. They say, Alex, what does turnout not need to be? I say, guys, all of it. That's what it needs to be. We need everybody. All right. We try for 100 percent, get as close as we can. That's the goal. Right. Okay. so get Democrats to to come on it. The the majority of the NPA growth, they're the real winners in Florida. Um, Latinos not running off to the Republicans. The the data always tells the truth. Democrats like to feel um, Republicans and others will take a look at the actual facts. Right. Folks, just just so our audience is, is aware of this. Folks, in Florida, if you don't register as a party, you're what's called an NPA, no party affiliation. And it's the fastest growing group of voters in Florida by by probably, it's probably gaining at 50% faster than the Republicans and 40% faster, or I'm sorry, like 60% faster than the Democrats. They are growing, like NPAs are exploding in Florida. There, there are more NPAs in Florida now um, than, than anybody had modeled even five years ago. It's the fastest growing political party. It has exploded over the last couple of years. If you zoom out to a 10-year period, yep. you really just start to see where the decline was. From 2012 to 22 um, to today, we've added about 150,000 Democrats in Florida. Mm-hmm. We've added about 900,000 Republicans in Florida. And we've added 1.2 million Dem- um, NPAs yep. in Florida. That's massive, yep. right? Now, again, this is a massive swing electorate that you can grab, but you got to reach out and grab. You know, you can't just not campaign to them. Um, but again, the, the the narrative that all Latinos are Republican is is just not it's not true. Otherwise, they'd register as Republicans. And even the ones that are registered as Republicans, they won't necessarily vote on Republican. Um, the Republican Party, they don't adhere is necessarily to the party. Uh, I talked to Latino Democrats, don't even know they're registered as Democrats. You know, we were in the news uh, projecting that Miami-Dade was going to flip. Several blue counties were going to flip. Right. And this was based on our, our work at the grassroots level, speaking directly to the kind of voters that don't take surveys, they don't take your polls, they're not, they don't have landline phones. You right. know, we're tapped into that electorate, and you know, we're coming up with twenty percent crossover among Latino Democrats. How do you account for that? You know, right. and this is this is these are just campaign basics. You've got to talk to voters to know where voters sit. I remember you texted out, me you know, about three weeks out, and you said South Florida, it's it, it is it is just going to go. It's bad, and. And I, you know, the infrastructure of the GOP in Florida has was was it, it started out in the old days, in the beginning, in the old, in the before times, um, and it used to be just to the Cubans <laughs> in Tampa and Miami, basically. And they've actually gotten. I mean, look, how did Rick Scott overperform with Puerto Ricans in 2020? He went out and spent money on it, went out and put people in the field and hired people and got people to go out and do what you guys do on the, but on the R side. I mean, it just strikes me that that the that the the National Democratic Party, if they wanted to make a change in Florida, they'd invest in the in the field side, doing what you guys do, before they would like throw more money into a media campaign for this for the state party to do 
you know, generic messaging. It just, it, it, it really is a, 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 you guys have a proven model where you can break off, uh, you know, otherwise unaffiliated or otherwise voters that are, that are going to be vulnerable to that GOP message machine. Yeah, that's exactly right, Rick. Um, you know, the way that we work within the Latino community, and the reason we're able to build relations with them is because we don't come with, we don't come to them and judge them. You know, we're seen as, you know, an impartial party. You know, we want to, you know, we talk about American values. We talk about freedom. We talk about the issues that are important to not just Latino voters, but all voters and all Americans. Um, and Latinos especially believe in individual freedoms, uh, small business, family values, you know, traditional America. You know, I grew up, mm-hmm. I grew up in that. You know, we, I go to the church. You know, the, the Spanish church I go to, I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban, I'm a Florida native. I'm not even a fluent Spanish speaker in the church that I go to. They have a person that translates for me. Right. They're just some of the nicest people in the world. And I can't even go to that church anymore because it's become political and it's been overtaken by the right. Yep. And this has managed to insert itself in so many aspects of our life. And we need to take that back. And we need to take that back. And we take that back by being present. Showing up and, and being there in the community is so important. And it's a fundamental human thing that I don't know how we miss it. Every parent sees it. When you, when you go to um, an event or a graduation and you, your kid is looking for you in the audience and they make that eye contact, that excitement when they recognize their people. You know, Rick Scott knew that. That's why he showed up at everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Ron DeSantis knew that, which is why he was all over the place. And then Democrats have failed to do the same, which is why Democrats didn't come out and vote. Turnout was depressed. Latinos crossed over uh, for Republican candidates. Uh, Miami-Dade, which was a stronghold, a stronghold flipped. Broward County, the margin that um, the DeSantis' loss from 2018 was cut in half. Yep. Okay. Orange County, um, they had like an almost 200,000 vote margin that uh, DeSantis lost by in 2018. He had that. Mm-hmm. Flipped Hillsboro, flipped Palm Beach, which was like for me unthinkable. That, 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 right? was, a, that was a shocker. Down. That really was. Yep. Osceola flipped. Mm-hmm. And then again in Polk. Um, margin of victory in Polk was doubled. Now, I named those specific counties for a reason. Because when we talk about the Latino vote in Florida, it's incredibly diverse, just like everybody says. But that's where they all are, guys. Mm -hmm. There's 67 counties, and those seven contain 75% of all Latino voters. Nivasino's program, it it is in six of those seven counties. It's not coincidental. It's strategic. Okay, And this is what's been missing. This is the work that we started to do through um, in 21. We were the only ones on the ground. We couldn't find anybody. Um, we worked hard in 22. Now it's not even 23. And again, we see a wide open field and it looks like it's just us out here. Um, and, you know, we're going to we're going to keep beating the drum, carrying the torch. And hopefully, you know, we'll see some other uh, partners in the field soon. I hope. Um, but if, you know, if not, you know, we're having conversations with uh, others like yourself, Rick, yep. uh, you know, building a, a broader coalition. Yep. Of people that still believe in America, still believe in democracy, and are just going to do, you know, whatever it takes to win it back. Um, great quote um, from Donna Brazil um, that uh, you know this is a hard, hard, hard fight. That these are these are people that do themselves no favors. They'll certainly do us no favors, mm-hmm. and we need to stick it out and do whatever it takes to succeed. As a listener to this podcast, you know democracy is in danger in America and beyond. This titanic challenge requires a powerful response. And that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. We're a pro-democracy network. 
the enemies list is just one part of Resolute Square's pro-democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits. Exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Joe Trippi, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Tara Setmeyer. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly, as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com enemies to let the world know where you stand. Weddings, college graduations, your stepmom placing third in a dog grooming competition. We've all got reasons to gift this summer, so give them something they'll love, drinks. And get them all from Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on beer, wine, spirits, then get them delivered in time for your summer celebrations. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Ding dong, it's Drizzly. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. You know, Alex, there's one more thing that I was thinking about. You, you mentioned you, you go to church. And I think in some ways that uh, Republicans have figured out there's a cultural, you know, uh, wedge they could get into the Hispanic community with that I think a lot of, you know, frankly, white progressives do not understand. And that is those folks are not ashamed of faith. They're not ashamed of the American flag. They're not unhappy to be thought of as people in a, in a community of faith or as patriots. They, they, they're proud of it. And Republicans are saying, hey, you know, we may disagree on all these other things, but we share this. And I think it's a really important message for Democrats to, to, to process, which is don't, don't sleep on the cultural wedge that Republicans will drive into that community because a lot of them are doing it that way. And, and the other thing is don't sleep on the rise of Pentecostal and evangelical churches in the Hispanic community because that's another vector that they are really using to, to proselytize politically, not just spiritually. That's so spot on, Rick. And um, they, it really starts to come down into the core of what the challenges that are plaguing Florida are, is that fundamentally things are just not done well if they're done at all. Um, right. you know, what I used to say was, uh, well, what's not on fire is probably not burning because it's just not here. Um, and that's what, <laughs> that's what we see. So you, they, when you don't understand the dimensions of your electorate, you don't really understand what you should be doing you yeah. should not be doing and the fact is that <clears throat> latinos and a lot of a lot of the people that that will go over to the right they're doing so because they're not relating to the democratic party right. they don't want to feel bad about themselves okay and they don't feel bad about themselves they don't necessarily know what the democratic party stands for because this isn't messaged clearly or well they don't know about the successes that Biden administration has had nationally. You know, this information is not getting to them. Um, and they're really focused on kitchen table issues and how they're going to survive, take care of their kids. Right. So they can look at a Republican message and say, for better or worse, I know what that message is. I know who they are. I know what they stand for and I know what they mean. So they can make a decision on that. What do you do in the absence of information? Paralyzing. You do nothing. Yep, right. You freeze. If you go, you go exactly. You you go down. I mean, I, I go down. I went to vote in this election, and I didn't know what some of these amendments were. You know what I did? I just didn't vote in them because I didn't know what it meant. Right. And you're and and you're somebody engaged in politics every day. And I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. I do this for like this is this is right. all that matters to me is making this future safe for my son. I, you know, this is what yeah. I do, and I I can't make heads or tails of some of this stuff. So, what does your average voter? Have, what chance do they have? You know. Democrats, 
assume that voters are just at home glued to the TVs and the internet looking for all the evil things that Donald Trump did today. And didn't you know that? No, guys, they didn't know that. They don't know that. And when you tell them that, they may not even believe you. Okay. And if you tell it to them in a condescending way, you're going to harden them against you. And when they already know what they know about you and if they don't like you, then you've already lost. No matter what message you deliver, it's not going to be well received. And so what I would do and what I've suggested is Democratic Party should focus on identifying Democratic values, uniting people around those core values, focusing on rebuilding the Democratic Party among Democrats internally in Florida, find and rally around candidates with enthusiasm that are more youthful, that are that are strong and courageous enough to say loudly and proudly what they stand for and who they are. Mm-hmm. And then folks like us will work on the NPAs, those swing voters that <clears throat> they don't really want to go over there with the, with the Looney Tunes and the racists and the crazy people. But they're not really, they're not ready to go over there with Demo- be, be with Democrats yet either. Right. And so we'll work on building the relationships with them and when 24 comes around and there's all these heinous things happening, you ask them a very simple message. You know what? In the church that I go to, you know, they preach love and, you know, our neighbors and the message of Donald Trump is a one filled with love. I can't align with that. So I hope that you'll sure. follow me. Sure. Well, Alex, thank you, brother, so much for your time today and all the hard work you've done. Where can folks find out more about me, Vecino, and, and about you online? You, all of our social media handles are at Mivacino Florida. That's Florida all spelled out. It's Mivacino, M-I-V-E-C-I-N-O, Florida, F-L-O-R-I-D. The website's the same, MivacinoFlorida.com. Um, follow us. Our social media is filled with all the good stuff on uh, Twitter, especially. Every single day you're seeing happy faces of happy staff that are happy to have a good job that they enjoy doing, organizers. Um, working with people in their communities. And this is what we do. This is what we do. We're creating a positive culture around voting, around civic engagement, and around democracy in Florida. So, Alex, one more thing that uh, that I find really interesting and, and troubling. Tell us about how the new voter laws in Florida, which are you know also happening all over the country that Republicans are passing, are making it more difficult to register and activate and turn out voters. They're clusterfuck. It's uh, it's making everything difficult. It's adding barriers to voting. It's devious and effective and intentional. Uh, the new voter laws in Florida are they've sent a chill down a lot of the organizations like us spine um, with threats of hefty, hefty fines for, comp, you know, human error mistakes, $50,000, um, a fine which can just cripple a nonprofit that's uh, doing the work that we do. Um, you know, when you when you narrow down and uh, there's so many assumptions on how things work, when you actually look at what the job is, um, you know, first people assume that all organizing is equal and it's just not, you know, it's not the same across the board. Um, and, you know, I have a boxing background. I did that for 20 years before jumping into politics and anybody can be a boxer. You put on a pair of gloves and you're a boxer. They don't make you Mike Tyson guys, right? There's levels to it. Okay. So some folks are just better at it than others. <laughs> um, but when you narrow down to what exactly it is, what is the it? Well, I'm registering you to vote, Rick. You're a complete stranger. I'm walking up to you. I got a clipboard. I'm going to ask you for your name, your address, and your driver's license number, or the last four of your social security. How do you do that? How do you, I just had to say that to a random, right. a random stranger that yeah. you've never met. To a random it, it stranger. It is incredibly right. difficult. Voter registration is the most challenging 
part of field work and organizing. Um, when you're knocking on doors or making calls, it's about the attempt. It's about the trying to reach the voter. Voter registration is tied to the outcome. Okay, we've got to register these voters. Uh, so red voter registration is already on the surface incredibly difficult. Now, when we're asking for that information, we need to read. Well, we got to read a disclaimer to let you know that you know may or may not deliver your form, and um, you know you you can deliver it yourself if you want to. There's uh, if you want to enroll and vote by mail, the same information that I asked you for, uh, social security number. Um, and uh, driver's license number, that's much easier to do if I'm registering you, which is why Mivacino um, enrolls voters at the same time we register them, because we can match it to the voter registration. But Rick, if you're already registered and I want to enroll you in vote by mail, right, right, I right. have to match that vote by mail enrollment to your registration. Now, if you haven't registered in a while and you don't remember Got which it. one you used, let's say you used your driver's license number and then on your enrollment, you use your social. Well, they're going to reject it because mm -hmm. it's not going to match. It's not going to match. It's, and that, that makes it re, that makes it really difficult Unreal. to re-enroll voters, right? In which we just had an election. So guess what? A couple million people are going to fall off the vote by mail enrollment rolls. That's going to make it very difficult to get those people back on. Yep. That's just vote by mail enrollment. When we're taking a look at um, how they're removing voters from the rolls, there are less registered Democrats in Florida today than there were last year in 2021. And then there were the previous year in 2020. They just keep removing them from the rolls. How do they do that? How do you qualify that? Well, you have active versus inactive. Well, what makes you inactive? Well, if you haven't voted mm -hmm. in a, a cycle or two, you get moved to inactive. But that's not the only way you can get moved to inactive. You can also get moved to inactive if somebody flags to supervisor of elections or the division of elections. Correct. They, challenge they can challenge it. it. They and then what they do, the they counties. send you a letter. Yep. Now, if you're like me and you see a letter and you just think it's junk mail, you throw it away, you don't respond, boom, you get moved to an active. Okay. If you moved to Florida and you have a mailing address different from your new address, they mail it to the state where you were from and they'll come back and then you get moved to an active. And then, then if for some reason you don't vote in that election by the next cycle, now you could be purged. Right. And so they move little stones sure. and we have to ask ourselves, how long have they been moving pebbles? Before they know, before we know it, they've moved an entire mountain on us while we weren't looking to pay attention. Yeah, it's it's it is some, uh, it is some sneaky ass stuff, and it is dangerous. And Democrats need to be on. I just want to say one more one more thing about the uh, SB ninety, right. Rick. Great. They changed the barrier no, for yeah, us yeah. to talk to people. Democrats, big tent party, right? The majority of our voters, the communities of color in Florida, are Democrats. Mm -hmm. If you need language assistance, if you need a slate card, whatever it may be. The, bar the, the barrier for me to give that to people now is 150 feet from the entrance of the polling place. In a lot of in a lot of polling places, that puts you in the middle of a in the middle of a road in traffic. It it puts you in traffic. It well, puts highway, you in someone's right, personal right. property, right? Like people's yards, and so it, it makes it to where it, it's the entire idea of having poll people and presence at the um, at the polling locations where you can hand out slate cards. Incredibly difficult. You can't. You can hardly do it now. You got to catch people and, and stay outside the boundaries, and you're far away from the polling locations. You can't. They have long lines for folks that are getting off work. You can't bring them water. You go to jail. You know. You can't do the, the craziest things. And if I'm really tempted to go to jail for bringing somebody water, I think I'm going to do that. Next let me know. Time. Let me know when you do, so that way I make sure I'm not at that polling. Yeah, <laughs> All right. We'll go to. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get some good lawyers on tap.
Well, fantastic, brother. Well, listen, I appreciate your time today, and we will be talking to you again very soon. Have a great Thanksgiving, uh, and I will, uh, I'll catch up with you shortly. You got it, Rick. Thanks, Thanks for having man. me. You know, this is an enemies list fan favorite, I'm sure. I'm just predicting this in advance. Because this week, the number one guy on the enemies list is Mitch McConnell. You know, Mitch McConnell had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to tell Donald Trump to go fuck himself. He had every chance in the world repeatedly during the course of the Trump administration to, to go after Donald Trump and knock him on his ass, to take him out, to, to neutralize him, to castrate him. And he never did. And he always played the game. I, I, I don't like what the president's doing, but the policies are wonderful. And, you know, he went out there on January 6th and blasted the living shit out of Trump. And two weeks later, goes on TV and says, well, of course I'll vote for him if he's the nominee. And this week, he's reaping the proverbial whirlwind. Because Donald Trump has a cadre now of people in the U.S. Senate who are Trump-style acolytes. J.D. Vance, Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, and they're all going after Mitch McConnell now. And Mitch McConnell's, for the first time in his, in, in his long career as a power broker in the U.S. Senate, has himself up against the wall. He is panicked. He is freaking out. His team is uh, of these incredibly wealthy consultants that he is, he, the people he has made incredibly wealthy are freaking out because they lost everything. They lost every challenge. They won in red states. Yay, you won in red states. Whoopity-doo. They didn't gain any seats. In fact, they lost control in a way that has is, that is boxed them even further for the next election cycle. And so Mitch McConnell is under the gun. And I'll say this. A lot of, our, a lot of my listeners probably won't agree with this, but, but I can tell you, Mitch McConnell is not a stupid man. He's a crafty guy. He's a smart guy. But he is in bed with the worst human being in the world, and he won't get out. Donald Trump knew what was going to happen when Mitch McConnell uh, went out there on the Senate floor. He knew that Mitch McConnell would re eventually reverse himself and break. He knew what would happen when Mitch McConnell had impeachment on the floor, that Donald Trump would be protected by Mitch McConnell. McConnell's had every chance in the world to stay off the enemies list, but he just won't get his shit together and do it. So Mitch McConnell, you are on this week's enemies list and you are, you are getting every damn thing you paid for. Get your shit together. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at the Rick Wilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. Stay off the list.